May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I started writing this sermon just a few feet from a dead body. Really. Let me tell you, that puts things in perspective. Writing a sermon, even though I've written hundreds of them, writing a sermon just a wall away from a dead man. Trying to figure out what, what matters, what do I want to say to you based on this text? Maybe I should explain. So last weekend, those of you that were here, no, I wasn't here. I was in Houston doing that seminar, and it went till late afternoon on Sunday, so my flight wasn't until Monday. And so it's left at noon, so I had a block of time that I was planning to continue working on, on this sermon. So when I was woken up early Monday morning to the police chatter on the, the radios on the shoulders of, I don't know how many Houston police and fire personnel were, were there. It kind of threw me off a bit. And so when I sat down to try to work on the sermon, especially since I had already gone down to breakfast and found out what was going on. See, on, on the, the elevator ride down, Linnell, who works at the front desk, said that this man's wife had been calling the, the front desk all weekend trying to get a hold of him. And so then she finally called the police. On, on the ride up, the EMT who was bringing in the stretcher said, yeah, he, he was dead when we got here. Don't know how long. And then he encouraged me to look, look the other way as I walked past to, to my room. I don't know why my hotel neighbor was in Houston last weekend, but I'm going to guess that he wasn't expecting that he was there to take his last breaths on earth. And you think of how that would have changed things if, if he knew, right? Maybe his last conversation with his wife before he left, maybe it might have been a little bit different. I know for myself, trying to think this through and, and wondering, I wonder if I saw him living in the hotel on Friday when I got here. If I had known that he wasn't coming out of that room alive, I would have done everything possible to, to make sure that, that he knew about his Savior. Or even just from his perspective. Right? Whatever it was, business trip, work, whatever reason he was there, it probably didn't end up being the blessing that he thought it was. Because that happens sometimes. Sometimes we think one way and it's something completely different. Sometimes blessings become curses. You know what I'm talking about? Not just, not just thinking, you know, death when you didn't expect it, but, but I'm talking about... <clears throat> about our blessings. We have a lot of blessings, right? God has blessed you with money, right? So you can buy stuff. You, maybe you, you have bought a house, maybe a, a car or, or some toys, but then you have to 
take care of that stuff and you have to protect that stuff and you have to fix that stuff and you maybe have to ensure that stuff and you might even worry about that stuff and then you replace that stuff because you got so used to that stuff that, that, that you need the new one and suddenly those blessings are curses. Or how about during this pandemic, what a blessing it was that that when it wasn't safe for us to come out in person, we could, we could watch, we could worship at home, right? Through the magic of the, of the internet, we could participate in Zoom Bible studies, we could, we could do all of those things. But has anyone noticed any curse that came along with that? Maybe a little temptation from, from the devil to, to, to take a little bit of the worship out of our, our worship to have an excuse not to join together with, with our brothers and sisters, to encourage and be encouraged by one another, to kind of get out of a habit that was so helpful. Boy, Satan's been working trying to make that blessing of the internet into a curse. Or one more, your kid makes the travel team or gets a special opportunity for music or or the arts and you're so excited and you're doing everything to get them to to all of the practices and to the games and the the performances and then you start to realize that maybe some of the decisions you're making are are, are putting that ahead of some things that that you really want as your priority and and, and worship or Bible study time or, or reading your own personal Bible reading. Well, those kind of get edged out by this, this blessing. When blessings become curses, what then? Laodicea was an important city in the Roman Empire. It was located on the juncture of two pretty major trade routes. Modern-day Turkey, now it's known as I'm not going to mispronounce it, but Exihazar or something like that. It means the the old fortress. And it was the site of a a Roman government mint. So money was flowing there in a lot of different ways. They had wealth. They were known for their self-sufficiency. In fact, um, the Roman historian Tacitus talks about in 60 AD, so just a few decades before this was written to them, an earthquake destroyed a, a major portion of the city, and the Roman government came out and said, all right, we'll, we'll help you rebuild this. And the Laodiceans said, no, 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 we don't need that. We got plenty of wealth, and they rebuilt it better than it had ever been. They were rich. And add to that, they were world-renowned for their, their medical education. They had a, a school there where one of their teachers, Demosthenes Philologies, uh, wrote a, a textbook on ophthalmology that was so good it continued to be used until the Middle Ages. They, they exported their Phrygian powder, which was a, an eye medication, and some other eye salves and some oils. They, they had reputation. Oh, and they were stylish, too. They were known for their, uh, their black wool, the Laodicean black wool. Every Roman of consequence wanted a trimata, which was, which was this tunic interwoven with that, that Laodicean black wool that announced to everyone who saw you wearing it that you've arrived. 
You throw on top of that the hot springs near, near Laodicea, and you can see why they were pretty comfortable. Why they felt like they had things going on, they had things handled. When blessings become curses. But we understand the feeling of things being under control, right? I mean, think about this. We are coming out of a global pandemic and still our lives are pretty good. I mean, if we could handle that, we can handle anything, right? We have our, our, our stability in our, our military, right? And, and the police force that, that protects us and our social structure. And then you got your bank account that that gives you a little bit of, of confidence as well. Things are good. Richly blessed. So let's listen to what Jesus says to these richly blessed Laodiceans and to us. This is verse 14. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So the one who speaks the truth is about to speak. The one who has all power is about to speak. Let's listen to what he says. Verse 15. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus doesn't like apathy. When we get so caught up with the, the things of this life that our afterlife becomes an afterthought, when, when we get so focused on the blessings of, of our earthly home that our heavenly home we rarely think twice about? When our relationship with God decisions fall below the relationship with other concerns? Hear Jesus' warning. He goes on. He says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched Pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. How? How does Jesus have all this to offer? I'll tell you one thing. He was not lukewarm. He never once said, I don't care. The opposite of apathy, he came to to our suffering. He became one of us so that he could earn exactly what he offers here. He became poor and helpless so that he could make us rich. He took spit in his face instead of salve for his eyes or oil for his head. He wasn't walking around in in luxurious clothing. In fact, he was stripped naked to suffer the shame that, that our sins had coming. For all the times we don't care, he loved us to death. And then he rose again, proving the victory in the face of defeat. When we rely on what we've got, when our blessings become curses because they give us a false confidence, 
hear Jesus yelling at you today. Don't you see? You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. You see, he wants to give you something better. Yeah, I don't know the financial status of my hotel neighbor in Houston. But he must have been doing okay. I mean, he was staying at a Hampton Inn. I, I think that's a nice place. I'm guessing he had a job. I mean, it sounded like people were assuming he was traveling for, for work. So, so things were okay, right? He probably had plenty going for him. A wife that obviously cared. She kept calling. But as those police radios chattered and that stretcher rolled his body away, how much of that mattered? Did you notice in our text how Jesus knocks out from under these Laodicean Christians all the things they thought they had as a support? Right? First, money. Their money didn't make them rich. They needed Jesus' priceless treasure, the, the gold refined in the fire. For all their ophthalmological expertise, they were blind to see God's glory in their gifts. For all of their luxurious clothing, he calls them naked when they stand before God's throne. For all that they had, they didn't have what they needed. Do those words sting at all? Jesus should spit us out of his mouth. We've insulted his gifts by treasuring what doesn't matter. We try to hide our robe of righteousness in the closet because we prefer to, to, to wear this world's styles. But Jesus wants better for us. So we keep reading. Look at this absolute gospel nugget that comes next. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. He's yelling at us today. He's coming at us today because he loves us. So he says, be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. For the indifference with which we so often treat him, he should have left our doorstep long ago. And I think about uh, the canvassing visits and the follow-up visits that we make as part of our outreach program here. And I think of the, how many, many, many times I have stood at a door. You know, I knocked, I, I rang the bell, and they just ignore. You know there's someone inside. But they care so little about whoever this nobody is on the doorstep or whatever they have, have to offer. They care so little about it that they don't even get up to answer the door. So what do I do? Oh, I write them a note and walk away. Not Jesus. He stands at the door and knocks. All the times we're too busy for him, there he is. Knocking, waiting. For all the times we, we would rather just not think about him. There he is, knocking. Longing, inviting, preparing a, a feast. And when we open the door, when, when we come here to hear his word, when we open our Bibles at home, when we dig into his word in Bible study, 
Oh, the joy he gives. I mean, think about this feast. The priceless treasure of, of, of his pure, refined gold. The, the beauty of his robe of righteousness that he gives to us to wear so that we stand before God's throne covered in his perfection. The salve for our eyes so that even in this world where there's so many bad things to see, we can see the glory of God's good behind it all. And the eternity he promises. Look at these last verses. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He promises us eternity of power and providence in heaven. And he concludes, he who has an ear. In other words, while your ears are still processing sound, while you are still in the land of the living, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. These words are for you. When your blessings become curses, Jesus has what you need in Christ. Amen. Peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise.